have the next panel all set up here and ready to hop on. Before I introduce them, please, guys, if you're watching here, go and hit the like button on YouTube. Go subscribe to our channel. We have tons of content coming out. Our football guys have gone crazy recently, posted live podcasts, posted mock drafts. They had Scott Bogman on. They had David Mendelson on, both very recently, uh, two great guests as they kick off their show. And they're doing those live on YouTube. So definitely be subscribing to the channel and hit the like button. Uh, you'll make the higher-ups very happy, and you'll make me very happy as well here. But as we enter into the 3 o'clock hour, we have a new panel here. We have three great gentlemen here again. Scott Chu, for the second year in a row, making a really good uh, effort for best dressed. He might have to compete with Marty <laughs> Tallman this year. Uh, last year, I think it was Mike Curland. You and Mike Curland were uh, both competing for best dressed. But I think, Scott, you might have it this year. Uh, how are you I'm, guys doing? I'm a flashy guy. Like, what can I say? It's really great to have all you guys on here again. Um, it's I want to give you guys a chance before we really get going here uh, to just tell everybody about all the great work that you got going on. We have the Justin Verlander trade, just newly minted with the prospects announced we're going to talk about. Uh, but before we get into all that, Scott, we'll start with you. Let us know uh, what's going on over at Pitcher List. Yeah, so uh, I'm a senior analyst over at Pitcher List. I do the hitter stuff, which is nice because Nick has no idea what I'm talking about at any given time. So yeah, I, I do the hitter list. It comes out on Wednesdays, top uh, 150 fantasy, uh, fantasy hitters from my perspective, plus a list of guys who might be interesting to you in, in one league or another. And actually that's about, oh, and I have the Hacks and Jacks podcast that comes out every Monday morning. Uh, th that's with my buddy, Joe Galena. We have a great time with that. M again, mostly talking about hitters. Cause that's how I stay out of, you know, out of under Nick's radar. It's the way I make sure that he can't really criticize what I'm doing. Cause he, he has no idea. Yeah. That's the best way to go. Uh, Nick is obviously a great guy. Pitch list does fantastic work. If you're not checking them out, uh, then you are behind. You are naturally behind Uh big trade here to announce. Justin Mason traded for Scott Chu a uh, big trade here to announce on the show. Uh, <laughs> but let's move over to Chris Torres. Chris, you haven't been on here in a while, man. How you been? I'm good, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, excited to uh, talk some of these moves here. Brad Hand to Atlanta. I think actually this next hour should just be a thorough breakdown of that move. Uh, all the fantasy ramifications of that. Uh, but now we, we're coming on with Justin Verlander, like that trade just being announced. So excited to talk about that a little bit um, and look at some of the uh, the return for the Mets in that deal. But uh, yeah, I'm easy. I'm uh, co-host of the Fantasy Baseball Beat podcast over at Triple Play Fantasy with uh, my buddy Mike Carter, who was just on. So uh, that's what I got going on right now. You can find me on Twitter at Torres Takes, uh, spewing out nonsense and once in a while some helpful uh, baseball stats. But uh, yeah, happy to be here with you guys. You're starting to get into the football a little bit, too. I saw a little bit of a change in the username. Yeah, I, you know, I'm delving into those waters. But I got to be honest, like, not that I have, like, a, a big following or anything, but I feel like every time I post anything about football, it is complete crickets. Like, I originally, my idea was I'm going to build a Twitter profile that is just, like, very specific, like, fantasy baseball. That is it. And, you know, sometimes it gets a little, you know, like football is training camp is uh, getting going. And I'm like, you know, I want to like talk about that a little bit, but zero engagement whenever I, I go there. Uh, so I'm like, I'm taking the hint, guys. I'm taking the hint. Stick to baseball. All right. So, yeah, that, that's probably going to be short lived. I think people, whatever the initial thing they followed you for, if you don't stick to that, then right. they, you lose them a little bit. Because I did a little bit of fantasy basketball stuff this last year as well. And, you, you know, I wouldn't have the same kind of impressions, likes, yeah. retweets, whatever, as the baseball stuff. And I guess it's because they're thinking, who the hell is this guy posting about basketball now? Next, it'll be hockey. And then what? Right, you know, right. Uh, I think they just want you to kind of stick to your own thing. And you kind of see it. There's some guys in the industry, God bless them, who go back and forth between baseball and basketball i mean triple play they do you know david does everything there i think mm -hmm. uh it's it's I, I definitely commend those guys for doing that because it's Not it's easy. tough to keep track of even just baseball at this point of the year guys are already looking at football stuff i'm thinking i'm just trying to compete in my leagues at the end of the season here i don't know how you guys are already doing football prep but that brings us to Britton allen from within the house here at sports ethos and also recently a newly minted member of the palazzo podcast Britton, how the hell are you doing man I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on, Joe. Shout out, Scott. Shout out, Chris. I've been looking forward to this all day. I'm very excited. I love the trade deadline show, Joe. You do a great job. You make it look easy. It isn't. 
but you make it look easy doing the transition and you know juggling all the the dishes spinning in the air but uh, uh yeah i co-host uh, the plazo podcast with uh, mike v and of course michael govier who i think is on the next segment so that'll be uh, a lot of fun and uh, i also have a podcast with sports ethos it's called it's gone as joe you you well know because Either you recruited me or I recruited you uh, in Arizona to to get that podcast slot. I don't all I remember it was at the bar. I don't remember much after that, but uh, I shout out to you for for letting me do that. It's a lot of fun. So, you know, I appreciate it. No, of course. You know, we're always trying to expand and do new things. And when you came to me saying you wanted to have your own podcast, I was like, hell, you know, we're going to start tomorrow. And you've done a great job. You do some guest episodes. You do some solo episodes. You're talking fab. You're doing a great job. And it's very different from what I do. And, you know, the initial kind of worry uh, with some of the higher ups was you're going to have a second baseball podcast. They're just going to eat into each other, into the viewers. But no, it's totally different. You do your own thing. You have your own style. And you do a great job. And we're very happy to have you working for us here uh, at Sports Ethos. We have the big trade that we talked about off the top here. If you're listening to the previous hour, you also have seen that. Um, Justin Verlander back in Houston. Now, I made the point before, and you know, Justin Mason said it very eloquently that hindsight is 2020. But do you guys think that Houston wishes that they just paid up a few extra bucks in the offseason, got Verlander back, maybe added an extra year, whatever it would have taken, so that they would have saved themselves a couple of prospects because they have traded. Uh, a couple of prospects here in the trade. I'm just going to pull up the tweet here from Jeff Passan. It was outfielder Drew Gilbert and outfielder Ryan Clifford going back to the Mets. Now, my argument is they you know, ponied up a few extra bucks in the offseason. They wouldn't have had to make any kind of trade at all here. Do you think that that's what the mindset is right now uh, in Houston, that they're kind of kicking themselves for putting themselves in this spot to begin with? Or do you think that they're kind of just going with the flow at this point? Let's start with you, Britton. I would say, well, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but at the time they, you know, he left, they had a healthy Luis Garcia, you know, who was doing the baby rock. He was doing just fine. Jose Yurkiti, he was doing pretty well. I mean, he was a competent starter. And then, uh, you know, Framber Valdez was, he seems to be like hiding an injury now, but, you know, so yeah, they, they, they went with the, the younger guys and unfortunately they got injured. So you know, I don't I, I just think it's one of those things where you, you make decisions at the time, hope for the best. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, but I love the trade. I love having if you're a Houston Astro fan, having Verlander come back because like they're down to a four man rotation now and McCullers isn't coming back anytime soon. So this makes perfect sense. And I'm sure like Verlander was one like the Braves you know, uh, uh, the Baltimore Orioles, they, Ver, so they got to cross out Verlander, right? And now the, the one after that is uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, I bet. Everybody, like, Eduardo Rodriguez's stock just went through the roof, you know, because I bet you those other teams are trying to get him hard now. Right as you said that, you were close. It was a Tiger's arm. Apparently, Michael Lorenzen is going to be going to the Orioles. Uh, we'll talk about that one in a second. I do want to get uh, Torres's take here. Torres's take, huh? Get yeah, it? Nice on, job. Oh, nice yes. Job. <laughs> on the Twitter profile, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm with Britain. I mean, listen, it's it's like playing fantasy, right? You make the best decision you can in the moment with the information you have. Uh, like like Britain said, they had a pretty good rotation that would enable them to allow Verlander to walk. Um, now they they need a pitcher, so. They got to adapt, and I think this is the right move for them. I think it shifts the balance of power in the American League. Uh, huge. I was I was hoping the Orioles were going to get him because I think that would have just been exciting for to put him on a on a young, exciting Orioles team like that. I feel like they would have been a legitimate contender. Um, now, I mean, Lorenzen, that's a good move. Um, obviously, not not at that same level of Verlander, but uh, a nice move for them. So. We'll see. It's going to be interesting. Like you said, Erod is going to be the next probably to go. And uh, we'll, we'll see where he lands. Hopefully we get to, to talk about it here while we're, we're still together. Lorenzen's solid. I think he's, you know, the big thing with him is cutting the walk rate this year. He's always been a 9 10% walk rate guy. Now he's at 6.5%. He's not striking out a lot of guys, just about 20%. But, you know, when you're only walking 6.5%, you can you can get by with that. He's been really good as of late. If you look at the, you know, uh, ERA indicators, they're a little bit higher, but they're not anything 
too crazy, nothing to worry about uh, too much from that regard in terms of regression. Uh, Scott, what are your thoughts here? Uh, first on the Verlander trade, and then we'll, we'll get your thoughts on uh, Lorenzen here at the same time. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, the Verlander trade, on one hand, it's so easy for everyone to just say, oh, the spin rate's down, the velocity's down, like everything's down for Verlander. But the fact is, he's still getting a lot of things done. I think another thing, you know, another reason I think the Astros like this move is because they know Justin Verlander. They know how to manage Justin Verlander. You may recall he was quite successful as an Astro. So I think they probably feel they can get the most out of him where maybe the Mets could not. I think that might be a, a nice boost for really both. And, you know, giving up those two, two of their top five prospects, right? Their number one overall prospect, another guy who was definitely in their top five. Uh, that's, that's a big pill to swallow. But at the same time, this team only has so much of a window, right? Like they have nice young pieces, you know, Kyle Tucker, obviously I'm a huge fan of Kyle Tucker. He's you know still only 26 and a half years old. Uh, Bregman's getting close to 30, you know, Jordan Alvarez, you never know quite how the injuries are going to go with him. Um, but you know, after that, if you look at this roster for the Astros, you don't see it like it's it's Alvarez and Bregman and Tucker. But then after that, you know, they've had a lot of ups and downs lately. Christian Javier, very, you know, very notably went on a weird streak where he just kind of couldn't pitch for a while. Like he was healthy, but he just couldn't get things done. So that was really unusual. Um, the bullpen for this team is very old. I think a lot of this is, yeah, we're giving up two of our top five prospects, but we think we can win another World Series. And as someone who had to watch the Tigers never quite get it done uh, for, for quite a while, you always wish that team would have made one more move and gotten it done, right? Because, you know, eventually you're going to hit this rebuilding period. It's going to be terrible. So you'd love to come away with that with a World Series ring or two, right? Or in the Astros case, several. So it made sense to me why they make this move. As far as Michael Lorenzen goes, I think... Uh, the Orioles get a pitcher who, who's going to work out very well for them. I mean, they've really been going, they've been very fortunate to get the results from their rotation that they have, right? Like how, how often can you really expect Dean Kremer to be a playoff caliber pitcher, right? Like that's, <laughs> that's just not, that's not how you want to go into the playoffs. So even Michael Lorenzen, who's not an exciting guy, you know, what he can do is keep the ball in the yard, right? And that's huge in today's game. It's especially huge in the playoffs. Lorenzen for most of his career allows fewer than one home run per nine innings. It is not easy to find guys on the market who can do that. Keep the ball in the yard. Uh, you know, the Camden yards is not the home run park. It used to be. So I think he should be able to play well in that park. I don't know if it changes his value that much, except for maybe more wins. Cause the tigers don't do that. And the Orioles do, but beyond that, I, I think this is a, a good move for them and I haven't seen the return yet, but I can't imagine it's, you know, it's that much of a haul. Yeah. I just want to point out comparing the Verlander to the Lorenzen deal. Now I was saying, obviously Verlander would be the big one for the Orioles, but if you actually look and when I'm evaluating pitching where I start, as I know many others do is that K minus walk percentage, you know, that, that just kind of, that gets you like at least half the way there in terms of evaluating a pitcher and both, Lorenzen and Verlander, 13% K-minus walk percentage so far this season. So, uh, yeah, Verlander's got the name, but uh, if you look at their actual skills so far this year, um, pretty comparable pitchers. So just wanted to, to throw that out there. That's interesting. I mean, no one would ever think that off the top of their head, right? You're thinking Verlander, he's been a lot better recently, but he's not Verlander like, you know, that Scott remembers pitching at Comerica Verlander mm -hmm. um, or even from last year. Uh, Lorenzen, I think he's good, but it's, it's interesting to see those numbers because that is a metric that I go to, you know, before anything else. You know, I look at the Sierras and the excerpts of the world, but, you know, very simply strikeout minus walk rate. Mm -hmm. I can tell you a lot. Uh, I don't know what version of Verlander they're going to get if it's going to be the same version as last year. I doubt it. Going back to his old coaches, his old ballpark, everything. Maybe that sparked something in him, but he's already been pretty damn good recently. He's got the ERA like close to three. The whip is close to one. So I think it's a it's a necessary move that they had to make considering McCullers not coming back. Uh, you know, Garcia's out. Urquidy is not somebody you trust in the playoffs, really. It gives them a solid front end with him and Framber, and then hopefully Christian Javier can also kind of figure it out. With Lorenzen, where do you see where do you guys see him slotting in in terms of like a a playoff rotation? Would it be, I think we were speculating a little bit in the first, uh, or actually in the second hour, uh, would it be Bradish who starts the first game? If it was two weeks ago, you asked me, I might have said Tyler Wells, but he's in double A at this point, which is kind of a crazy thing in and of mm -hmm. itself. 
Um, I think it's probably Bradish, but do you guys think maybe Lorenzen is the guy who would be turned to in game one of a playoff series at this point? Is he their ace by default? I kind of wonder if it's Kyle Gibson just because mm-hmm. he's the most experienced pitcher on this roster. Uh, I mean, he's, he's close to 36 years old and he's, I mean, uh, he, Kyle Gibson isn't someone that blows you away, but he's a, I mean, he's been very good this season. He's been very good lately. He's someone who I think they would trust the most and the play, you know, playoffs is such a mental game, right? And it'll, so much of it is about who do you trust, right? Like who, who do you want to give the ball to? Right. I mean, it, it's, it's something that's very, very mental. And while I think Grayson Rodriguez has the highest potential of any of the pitchers on this roster, he's probably not the one you trust game one of a playoff series, uh, especially for a team that has very, that's really struggled to get to the playoffs and make a splash for quite a while. So I think it'll be Kyle Gibson, but I, that continues to tell you that like, that I wouldn't be shocked. I, I mean, there's not a lot more moves they can make, but I'd really like to see them make another one. Cause I think when you look at this, when you look at this Orioles team going into the playoffs, you think like, that that rotation is the weak spot by a lot. Um, so we maybe this was a fake trade from somebody saying though it might have been a fake account because they're saying that Hessen Kierstad was the return. I very no way. Much, I no very way. much doubt uh, Hessen Kierstad is going to be the return. So maybe we have to pump the brakes on that one. I'm going to do a quick search here of of the Twitter machine or whatever the hell it's called these days, the X machine, I guess at this point. And yeah, they're they're not trading Heston Kersad for for Mike Lorenzen, but I would bet the Baltimore Orioles go for either Eduardo Rodriguez or Jack Flaherty or both because they do have great depth in their system. So uh, yeah, I, I, they're, they're, but they're not giving up Heston Kersad. He's a first round pick. Yeah, so it was a fake John Morosi account uh, that, that got a lot of traction. This guy with a hundred followers was able to get his tweet seen almost a hundred thousand times. Yeah, That's funny. but it doesn't appear Let me ask you guys, why would so somebody – I don't understand these people that make fake Twitter accounts like to put out BS like that. Like, do you have nothing better to do with your life? Seriously? They have, they have nothing Like, better. that is a sad, sad situation for someone like – like, what are you getting at? Okay, you got some impressions. You got some likes. Whatever. Like, you really get off on that? Just drives me nuts when people do stuff like that. Well, it's like the kid in Simpsons, I guess. Ha, ha, you know, like yeah, what, I what, guess, what that man. For you? crazy. We've committed the cardinal sin of reporting on a false trade, which means I'm going to have to give back to the community in some way, which we'll figure out. It does happen, though. Like people are pricks. Uh, at the end of the day, yeah. I don't understand it. They have nothing better to do. They want to post something. They change the profile picture to Jeff Passan or to whoever. And they're hoping that their fake tweet can lead to, you know, a bunch of retweets. And, you know, there was some fake stat that somebody posted the other day. It was a guy from Yankees Twitter, uh, Addison something. You guys might have seen the account. His his profile picture is Nestor Cortez. And he had some fake tweet that said Luis Severino has given up 185 runs and 12 starts this year. And it got picked up by ESPN stats. And it got picked Uh, up. Are we sure that's not true? I'm not 100% sure it's not true. I, sure. I, have, I have Severino on an important team, and it sure feels like it. You still have him? You haven't dropped him? Is, is he a guy you're holding, Chris? What's up? You're not You're not dropping Severino? He's a guy you're still going to hold on to? Oh, no, I dropped him on Sunday. Okay, It, okay, it made okay. the decision uh, very easy when I saw that start against Baltimore on Sunday night. <laughs> Actually, I was planning. I was like, nah, I think he's going to turn it around. And then I saw those seven earned runs. Thankfully, he was on my bench. Um, and that was it. So, uh, goodbye. And hey, I don't know what, I don't think he's going to get another star for the Yankees for a while. I mean, he is completely, completely lost. He, he really might be the worst starter right now in baseball. He's, he's up there. He's definitely in contention for it at this point. Um, I am going to let Britain take the reins on hosting here for a quick little 20 minute break because I'm going to be live for five hours today. I'm going to go refill my tea because I woke up with a sore throat, hit the bathroom and whatnot. Uh, but Britain, you're good to take the reins here for a little while. Yeah, absolutely. All right, just uh, keep we'll track of the news, keep track of the news feeds. Uh, Dave McDonald is still sitting here in the queue. I don't know if he wants to come back on. Uh, <laughs> I'm more than happy to have him come back on here. Uh, but I'm going to hop off for now, Britain. I will let you uh, take the reins here for now. All right, thank you, Joe, very much, gentlemen, Scott, Chris. So we had the Verlander trade come through. What other trade has? This is a family show, but let's say tickled your fancy, Chris. Let's throw it to you first. What? What trade in the past couple of days or the past week have you looked at and you're like, I really like that trade? 
Um, I mean, I think the Scherzer trade, I think for the, for the Mets, you know, I'm over here in New York, so I'm surrounded by a lot of, uh, suffering Met fans <laughs> this season. So I think that was, you know, I'm glad that they got something. I'm glad that they made the decision to sell. You know, I was concerned that they were going to kind of hold out false hope and, and try to hang on to these guys and say, well, you know, maybe we could compete next year. And, um, I thought that was the wrong move. Those guys are, you know, they're legends, but we're talking about, you know, pitchers in their 40s. And I, I had concerns going into the season about relying on on players uh, like that to anchor your staff. And I think it was the right move to get what you can for them. And I'm not a big prospects guy, but, uh, you know, anytime I hear the name Acuna, even if it's the, the little brother, you know, and I understand mm-hmm. he's he is a pretty good prospect. I was encouraged to see uh that they got him. And I think it's a win-win because Texas gets, you know, Max Scherzer, like a guy that you could really depend on in the playoffs. So um, that was one that stuck out at that really benefits both sides. Scott, what about you? I will say this. I've been trying to think, I was like, I, I, I've actually met you, Scott, before in Arizona. I don't know if you remember it, but I was like, Scott reminds me of someone who is it? And it just hit me Hunter S Thompson. I was like, you have a Hunter S. Thompson vibe to you. All you need mm-hmm. is a cigarette holder with the cigarette burning at the end. Uh, what tickles your fancy as far as trades other than fashion so far, Scott? I mean, I'd also need a ton of drugs. Uh, and then I think <laughs> I could really pull it off. I, I think the trade for me that I, I really feels like sort of a win for everyone, including us fantasy folks who just don't matter at all, but we still get a win anyway. Um I loved Arizona trading for Paul Sewald. They have struggled to find a closer all season. I'm really excited about this young team. I think if they're going to make a splash, they needed more confidence in the back of that bullpen. Paul Sewald is a guy who one is very easy to root for. He's a great guy. I've gotten to see some interviews from him. Really enjoy him. Also, he's a heck of a pitcher, right? He can close Um, on the other end. You know, Seattle gets some return. I love seeing Dominic Canzone go to a team that might actually play him. When they call him up, like he got benched so many times by the Diamondbacks after they called him up. Yeah. I didn't understand why they even did it. Uh, but really, it's also about in Seattle. Now, Andres Munoz is a guy who can now be a closer. We've been waiting all season for him to be the guy for, you know, he's got the talent to be the guy for the Mariners. So really, if you are, if you rostered Paul Swald, he's still the closer. He's a closer on a better team. If you've been holding Andres Munoz, he is now a closer and he is someone I think you can really count on for the rest of your season. And if you're a prospects person, you get to see Dominic Canzone, who is having a really good year in the minors, go to a team that I don't know if they're going to call him up yet, but when they do, they might actually play him. Uh, unlike the Diamondbacks who have this crazy log jam in the outfield and didn't have any room for him really. So uh, really some wins all around and that's what makes me happy. That's what I like to see. So everybody, everybody gets to enjoy this trade. It kind of works out for everybody, including us, the people that don't matter. I I think that's a great call. That's the trade too. That kind of piqued my interest because Dominic Canzoni uh, and I know Chris has a love of all things Calzone and, and Canzoni. You saw that tweet, right? I saw right, that okay. tweet. You know, you didn't think I was going to let that one slip by, did you? But yeah, I really like that. Beat. I like Paul Seawald a lot. He he's solid. He's he's mature. He's a veteran. He's you know he gets fired up. Like he's everything you want in a in a closer, right? But he's on a one year deal. So Chris, tell me what you think. Like given given up somebody like. I know he was a platoon player and playing time was an issue, but Dominic Canzoni for Paul Seawald. What, what did you think about that one? I mean, listen, I, I think for Arizona, it was a no brainer. They've got enough outfielders, right? Like they, they've got kind of a log jam there anyway. So, um, I mean, I honestly, I didn't know anything about Dominic Canzoni until a few days ago. And then I started looking into him like, wow, this guy's got some, he had a good year in the minors, a little old for the level, but I mean, since he's been up, he's been really hitting the ball, uh, good quality of contact, really good uh, plate discipline, good contact skills. So I actually picked him up in a few spots and was a little disappointed when he got traded because he had a a seven game week on tap with six righties. And uh, now he's really unplayable for this week, especially with the, you know, he'll he'll be playing like, I think, maybe four games. So. Uh, but he's someone to keep an eye on for fantasy. I think he is going to get uh, more of a shot with Seattle, especially who knows, maybe they, they end up flipping to Oscar here. Um, so I think he's going to get uh, a good look here. So I think he's someone to keep an eye on. 
Uh, and and Paul Seawald, I think, is is definitely an upgrade over what Arizona was trotting out there. I was on the McGuff train uh, earlier this year, and it looked really good about a month and a half ago, and it's uh, fallen apart pretty quickly here. So they needed to make a move. That team is floundering as it is, so I think this is a uh, could be a pretty impactful move for them. And yeah, he's he's just awesome. He's a he's a great pitcher, and I've got him in my main event league. So I was very very happy to see that uh, he is still going to be a closer. But I want to ask you, Scott, because you brought up uh, Andres Munoz. And um, I know I just assumed like he's just going to step right in, right, and, and be the closer. We've been waiting for that for a while. But I think Dave even mentioned it on the last segment that it may be Justin Topa getting – it may be a, a split uh, bullpen there. So I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you, do you think they roll with Munoz, or do you think it's going to be more of a timeshare? You know, the, the advice I got uh, from my fellow senior analyst at pitcher list, Rick Graham, who does the closer list and he does, he does some great lists for like saves plus holds and saves. He he's always kind of helped me remember that most likely it'll be the next man up in terms of who pitches the eighth, right? Who's Mm -hmm. been the one they've been putting in the big situations in the eighth. Like it's not always, it's not always the most talented, but in this situation, Munoz does get the eighth a lot. They let him close a couple games last season. He's got a couple saves this season. Uh, This is the opportunity. I think they've been waiting for to do that. Uh, He's obviously a little further from that injury now. Could they do that from time to time in terms of the Mariners uh, using someone else? Sure. Right. I think it's possible, but if you're a fantasy manager, I think the move is for Munoz and hope, right? Because Mm -hmm. he's the one that really gives you the juice, right? He's the one that could be an elite fantasy closer. Whereas anyone else they use is just going to be a guy who might get saves, right? Like that's really the difference. So we all hope and pray, but frankly, for our purposes, we have to root for Munoz because no one else really becomes that interesting, at least not to the level that Munoz is as the closer. Those right. are I, great points, and uh, I agree 100%. I would just kind of keep an eye on Matt Brash. He mm-hmm. has been pitching really well lately, K rates way up. I, I know that he, he's not as reliable as uh, Munoz with that. He's got that Jordan Hicks gas, man, that 100-mile-an-hour uh, Andre Munoz for the for the Seattle Mariners. But I just uh, re-looked at uh, MLB trade rumors, and apparently the Phillies are nearing a deal for Michael Lorenzen, the aforementioned Michael Lorenzen that we thought was going somewhere else. But they are now reporting that he may go to the Phillies and that there is almost a deal. Uh, hey, Scott, let's throw it back to you. Go. What do you think about the Phillies? And, uh, you know, obviously – big market team we're talking Mets you know Yankees like all right Phillies what are you going to do for this this trade deadline and it looks like they're going to get Lorenzen what do you think you know this is less impactful to their playoff rotation which was really going to be Wheeler Nola and then whoever has the best matchup against whoever their opponent is for that series I do Mm -hmm. think this gives them a more reliable fifth starter for the season because really uh, I mean Every division in baseball, except for the NL East, it has like a dogfight for the leader. The Phillies have to get a wild card spot. Like they are not going to catch Atlanta, who's up on them by like 11 games. Like that's, that's not going to happen. So, so they need that full rotation depth. And while like Ranger Suarez has been useful in chunks, I think you feel a lot more comfortable with the veteran at the back in Lorenzen. And it provides a little bit of depth in case, you know, Christopher Sanchez can't keep it going right in, in his rookie debut, or you get an injury to uh, Taiwan Walker, or Ranger Suarez. If that happens, you still have Lorenzen in the back pocket. So you still have like a little bit more depth there. This to me feels like this is how we're making the playoffs as opposed to had it been like, a different team. It might've been, Oh, maybe the back end of a, a bad playoff rotation. Now it's back end of your full rotation. That feels a little better. I think that's a better fit for the team as well. Chris, what do you think? I mean, I don't know, man. Like I was excited about Lorenzo to the Orioles, you know, like it seemed like he was a guy they needed. He kind of is just jumbled in now with uh Taiwan Walker, Suarez, Sanchez, like long relief an upgrade over those guys. Um, the Phillies have been kind of a weird team this year too, man. Like you look at that team on paper and they should be a lot better, 
than they've been. Um, it's a Trey know. Turner thing, man. Oh, I, my I God. Mean, they, like, can, still... I, can I spend the rest of this half hour <laughs> bitching Wait, Chris, about that guy? I, are you triggered? Did the Trey Turner thing get you? Get, oh, my get, God. Get like, you, you have no idea. Like, legitimately, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I take fantasy seriously, right? Like, you know, I put a lot of time and effort into it. and But at the end of the day, I'm, I don't get too crazy. Like, I understand it's a game. But the Trey Turner thing is probably the most tilting thing that has happened to me in, in many years in playing fantasy. Uh, because now this is uh, an important league, the main event. You pay $1,700. For your entry right i had the 101 and during draft season i w- i never wanted the 101 like i it just i was always picking towards the back half of draft so i never really even th- put too much thought into it i ended up getting the 101 for this draft and i don't know what i was thinking i guess <laughs> I, I really don't know i ended up going with trey turner over ronald acuna and that is about as bad of a choice that you could make. I mean, the difference between those two players this season is just incredible. So uh, I think I have lost some sleep over that one. That is, uh, and I'm still actually in third in that league, uh, would be in much, much better shape with just one different decision there. So yeah, don't get me started on Trey Turner. That that has been tough to watch. Hey, look, uh, if, if you're like me and you love the WBC, which I loved watching all that the, was the, it for the teams, me, yeah. And if you watch Trey Turner during the WBC, it would be hard not to pick him first overall because he killed it. He led Team USA to the finals. So totally understandable. It blows my mind. So going into the season, this team had Kyle Schwarber, Riz Hoskins, Nick Castellanos, Bryce Harper, Trey Turner all on the roster. And today, Alec Bohm and Bryson Stott are the four or five in that lineup. Right. Like, and this team is still very much in the playoff hunt. So one that does speak to their depth, but two, like that shouldn't be right. Alec Bowman, Bryson Stott were not supposed to be the four or five guys there. They are because of how strangely this offense is underperforming in different ways at different times. Like they're never all clicking. Right. It's sort of like the problem the Padres were having, except now they kind of are, you know, Fernando Tatis Jr. is slumping a little bit right now, but finally, you know, Soto and Machado, those guys are all churning the Phillies just can't get all these guys to hit at the same time. Mm-mm. And they're starting a Jake cave in, in left field and no offense to Jake cave. You're, you're a major league baseball player. Congratulations. But I don't know if that's going to help you beat the Braves anytime soon, or, you know, any of the teams that you're going to meet. Uh, what I appreciate about Jake cave is that he's like 30 years old and he's already rocking like a gray beard, like a caveman. So it just, it's like he's fully embracing that well, name, you know, he and Brandon Marsh are having a beard off. It's like yeah. duck dynasty back there. Like the duck commanders are out there in, in, in the outfield, you know, and Schwarber's like, yeah, y'all just leave me out of this. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so the Phillies add Mike Lorenzen, um, you know, kind of shore up there, like uh, Christopher Sanchez has been doing well. So I, I would assume that the Phillies might make another deal. They're not, they're very much in the wild card hunt. So I was uh, listening to MLB Central today and they were talking about the Yankees. And Chris, you've got your Yankees hat on. No moves that I'm aware of. And I assume uh, Harrison Bader, or, or what, what do you, Chris, what do you think about the Yankees? What's going what, what have you heard about their philosophy here? It sounds like they don't know what they want to do. And um, they they sound they are in probably like the worst position a fran- an organization can be in right now because they're not quite bad enough to really like, you know, restock the farm system and do like a full rebuild. Uh, but they are definitely not a contender for a World Series. Um, I think there are going to be some dark days here coming forward for uh for the yankees because they have nothing in the farm system really i mean volpe is is really the one thing that they have the one chip uh they haven't been able to develop any pitching uh they're getting old they've got guys on big contracts so what are you going to do with them right dj lemayhew rizzo all like all these stanton oh my god you got like another four or five years of paying that exorbitant contract um so it's i don't think they know what they want to do it's a mess. It really just is a mess. Um, I heard a little bit, uh, some rumblings about Dylan Carlson, which 
actually I think would be the move for them to make because he's a guy under control. I think he doesn't have a clear path to playing time in St. Louis. And there's some potential there. I, I think he needs a change of scenery. I think he would be a great fit, actually, with the Yankees. So that's the one move I'm I'm hoping for. Another guy, and I haven't heard this. I'm just totally um, throwing this out there. Actually, he was mentioned the offseason, but uh, Max Kepler. I think mm. Max Kepler would be such a great fit for the Yankees. Yeah, he's a free Another, agent. He's a free, time. right. Um, he's a guy, the Yankees need left-handed hitters in Yankee Stadium. I don't know why they got away from that. John Boy actually put out a video uh, within the past few days about that. Like, the Yankees, for whatever reason, with that short porch that they could take advantage of, they decided to have a right-handed heavy team, which made no sense. Uh, I think a guy like Max Kepler would be a perfect target for them because he's a good defender. He's uh, a fly ball hitter who likes to pull the ball. I think he would be, uh, you know, a 30 home run hitter in Yankee Stadium. But, uh, yeah, I'm just really just I, I watched that team last night and it was kind of depressing. <laughs> you know, it just they're a very dead, bland team, you know, without any clear direction. It's like they still have that Josh Donaldson black cloud. You know, everywhere he goes is oh. just a black cloud. And, and then even I though see, he, even though he's on the IL, it's still there. But hey, Scott, I wanted to ask you a, a two questions real quick. I love the Twitter or X handle if the shoe fits. How'd you come up with that? Was that your first uh, Twitter handle? No, it used to be uh, Chusif Esquire. Um, I'm I'm an attorney, and it was a nickname. But I actually just like <laughs> I I used to write an article over it picture list which was basically just a hitter breakdown i was doing it five days a week like every day just from the box scores and i just asked people to come up with one and i wish i remembered who it was they they had one that was something about like shoes like uh it, it was like some different line about shoes and then once i heard that i was like oh my god if the chew fits like this is it this is perfect yeah. because with a last name like chew like you can put it anywhere like yeah my last name is basically in every single song Right. Like yeah. anytime. Yeah. It's, it's like it's in all of them. So like I had a lot of material, but once once the once the chew to shoe combo was found, like, oh, it was over. I, I just it was had to brilliant. Do it. Brilliant. And shout out new shoes. I can't wait. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. OK, whatever. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> uh, so, um, Scott, the second question I wanted to ask you, as you can see, Chris has got his Yankees hat on. Do you own any baseball hats? If 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 someone came to you and said, "Okay, I'll give you a billion dollars. Go to your closet and pick a hat to put on," what would you pick? Ooh, with an actual baseball team on it. So if I had to pick an MLB team, I've got a really nice Tigers hat that has this like old timey cartoon logo of that tiger. Um, mm. My real favorite logo for the Tigers is that '84 cocaine tiger that they had <laughs> with like the little beady eyes. Like he was my favorite, but they've got this other one that's like he's like hitting a home run and he's real goofy looking. I have that. Or uh, if I could pick any baseball team, it'd actually be the Kalamazoo Mac Daddies. So uh, I live close to the na uh, a town called Kalamazoo. During 2020, uh, it, they ho like they host a Northwoods League team. It's a college wood bat league team that. Um, it's called the Kalamazoo Growlers because we have a bunch of beer here, like Bell's Brewery is based here, things like that. Um, and they had to make like this small league during 2020 because none of the other teams would come there. So the Battle Creek team, which is like a city half an hour from here, and the Kalamazoo team just made three teams. And the third team was called the Kalamazoo Mac Daddies. Their logo was a macaroni noodle. <laughs> um, and so like and like the jersey had like cheese holes on it. it. It's beautiful. So I have a bunch of Mac Daddies attire. That's actually usually what I wear these yellow glasses with. But uh, it's it's a, you got it's to, a beautiful it's, thing. It's like the guy in Boomerang. You got to coordinate. You know, <laughs> like I got the mushroom jacket with the mushroom belt. You got to coordinate. Oh, it's but. it's it's absolutely it's necessary. Like all the dinosaur stuff I wear it usually comes with matching socks because it'd be stupid not to. <laughs> it'd be a waste of an opportunity, right? Does Jeter ever make an appearance down there? Does he go go back to his uh, hometown? Every once in a while, like people. I mean, he's obviously like very well loved here, um, mm -hmm. but it's not like all the time he's back around. Like he's found other things to do. He tried to own some baseball team for a while, I guess. Uh, oh, yeah, I heard he, about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. whatever. Uh, you know, I, I think he probably considers New York more his home than uh, than around here. But you, you know, if you hang out at a bar long enough, and you know, you're foolish enough to let someone know you like baseball, someone's gonna come and tell you about that time 
they struck out Derek Jeter in in like a old <laughs> old you know league game back when he was still living here, or that time he hit a home run off you know some something silly. It's probably so, not even true, right? They tried. I mean, <laughs> it's it's just true enough that if you're dumber than the person telling the story, you will believe it, right? Like that's the level of truth that's there. But like everyone else was kind of be like, eh. There might you might have seen Derek Jeter play ball while he was young, but everything past that is just not true. Right. I was looking at the uh, MLB trade rumors.com. Shout out. I uh, love that website. They're reporting that the White Sox are listening to offers on Dylan Cease. And it's uh, I looked over at Fangraphs and Dylan Cease has still got what three years left of con- team control, arbitration years, and whatnot. Now, so I wanted to talk to y'all about absolutely ridiculous trade situations. And if I'm the Baltimore Orioles, I would give up Heston Kierstad for Dylan Cease and probably something else. Because when you have a pitcher of that caliber, uh, it would take more than that, let's be honest. So what do y'all think? Is that is that completely outrageous? What's up, Joe? How's it going, guys? You guys been doing all right? Absolutely. Yeah. Great. So, you know, when I look at the Orioles roster, like they actually they do have like a lot of young hitters that that have come up this season. Like Jordan Westberg hasn't been quite as good as he was when he first came up. And and Colton Kowser is a guy who I think will be a good MLB player, even though I don't think he'll ever be that fantasy relevant because Kowser's skill set is a lot more like might hit for a decent average and play, you know, play a mean center field, but not really like a fantasy standout. But I think they have enough young pieces to go after a guy who you know, we hear this every season, every season. There's always like a team says we're listening to offers on, which generally means like this guy's not going to move, but they just want to see if some team's going to come in over the top and, yeah. and offer like a legit package, right? Like, the the Mets the Mets got a great package for Justin Verlander right so when you see that you're like okay well Dylan Cease has to be more valuable than that we'll listen to offers if people are willing to sort of match that price I I mean again you can pretty much always bet against these trades ever happening but I think the Orioles do have the ammunition to make it happen without really hurting their major league team too badly, especially because they do expect to get Cedric Mullins back here in the next uh, probably you know, hopefully the next two weeks. John means uh, the only left-handed starter they're going to have as of this moment uh, should be going on some rehab uh, rehab assignment soon, but it would be really smart for them to get an ACE because they just don't have one. And John means won't be the one that they need. Right. Yeah. I'm not really sure with Baltimore. We've talked about them a lot because like you mentioned, and I'm, you guys might've mentioned this while I was off as well. There's just t- almost too many names there to fit in everybody long-term. There's still three or four or seven or ten i don't even know how many prospects they still have that haven't come up that are going to be guys that demand everyday playing time kirstad once he's up he's gonna play every day May- uh, mayo colby i mean they got a bunch of good players yeah norby as well like there's just so many and then on the pitching side too they have a couple of good prospects i just think that they should do something now there's also the argument that this is the beginning of their competitive window there's no need to sacrifice the future but my argument is you know, there's just too many mouths to feed there long term in that lineup. You can trade from a position of depth and their minor league system. I'm, I'm not a huge prospect guy. You know, later on, we'll have Welsh and we'll have Air Cross here and they can talk more about the prospect side of it. But I just don't know that I've ever seen a deeper system. And, and you know, you include the guys that are, you know, the rookies, the Gunnar Hendersons of the world, uh, you know, the guys that have come up this year, Westberg, Kowser. They're just so deep. Go get Dylan Cease. Go get somebody. You know, go get. That's probably the best name that they could go after at this point is probably Dylan Cease. And I don't know if that's going to be something that the White Sox want to do, but I think that the Orioles probably should do something. Now, again, this is the start of their competitive window. There's no need to rush into it. It's not like they got a bunch of old guys and expiring contracts. So maybe they'll just bide their time and they'll say, you know what, if it doesn't happen this year, naturally, next year, Grayson will probably be better. Maybe we get DL Hall up in the major leagues. You know, it's, there's still a path for them to have good starters just through their own organization, I just, you know, I would like to see them move partially selfishly, you know, so we have stuff to talk about here. But also, I think it makes sense uh, for mm-hmm. them to trade from a position of strength. Yeah. Hey, Chris, as a Yankees fan, how mad would you be if somehow the Orioles brought in Dylan Cease to, to their team? 
now honestly like i've already i've accepted that the orioles are going to be much better than the yankees for many years to come so that i'm not even really worried about that i think if we're looking at whether the orioles should give up a, a prospect like here said i think absolutely i i think you know i know it's the beginning of their competitive window but they've got a real shot this year right they're in first place right now the american league i mean texas is good they've definitely upgraded now houston is upgraded the central i'm not really scared of any of the teams there i think right now they're better than tampa especially with all of tampa's injuries like you got a shot to go win it now and if you can go get a pitcher who listen dylan sees his his surface numbers don't look as good this year but he's really not if you look at the underlying skills his um he's not that different of a pitcher than he was last year. There's been a slight decline in the velo, a slight decline in the swing and miss stuff, but um, he's been really good. He is what they need. They need an ace. And I think he, he fills that role for them. I think if you go get Dylan Cease and you get him for a couple more years under team control, I think it's a no brainer. You don't find quality pitching. These guys don't go to free agency anymore, right? Like you can't just go and buy, many uh really high quality free agent pitchers that are in their prime too right like if you're going to get a guy it's going to be someone who is maybe on the other side of of um of their prime so i think if i'm the orioles i go do it and as a yankee fan that ship has sailed i've already (laughs) given up hope that they're going to be competitive with the orioles for for the next uh probably five years here as a jays fan i hope the orioles don't do anything but you know as a fantasy person (laughs) I, I think they, they have to good. get somebody like I like Scott made a great point. Like Kyle Gibson has been good, like much, you, you know, solid, solid starter for, you know, but can you imagine if they added Jack Flaherty or Eduardo Rodriguez? Like that would just raise all, all the, the, the boats up in Baltimore or, or get, or get them both. If you can, you know, Dylan Cease is probably, you know, you know, you're not going to get him without just, you know, completely getting rid of your farm system, but I, they could get a they could get a deal for Eduardo Dunn and or Jack Flaherty. I don't know why Jack Flaherty's not receiving any more interest. Uh, maybe it's like a health thing, but this is his walk. Know, is year. he that good? Like I, I'm a little bit like, eh, he's all right, but I don't yeah. think he's he carries quite the same. Like he's got the name recognition from what he did a couple years ago, but yeah. I don't think he's quite the pitcher. Like I don't think, for example, like. If the Orioles go get him, I don't think he puts him over the top. Like, I, I think he's another guy, honestly, maybe a little bit above Kyle Gibson, but like not that much better. Yeah, I agree. I'm not a huge uh, Jack Flaherty guy. I know he had a stretch earlier in the year where he kind of was looking a lot better, but 443 ERA, 445 XFIP, uh, you know, his Sierra's 471. Not a big strikeout guy, like 22% K rate, 11% walk rate. I'm just. I'm with you, Chris. I'm not sure that Flaherty puts them over the edge. I'm not sure that anybody necessarily on the market is going to put them over the edge. Like maybe a cease, but I think you go for Eduardo Rodriguez or any of those guys, like even Lorenzen, like we were speculating earlier. I don't know that that's the kind of guy who you'll acquire and it'll really put you over that playoff contention kind of edge. You know, they're not, it wasn't a Verlander kind of trade where they, if they had got Verlander, you could say, okay, shit, like this team now. Now they got that front end starter. Maybe Grayson, you know, continues to develop. Radish has been good. Then I can maybe see it. But if it's a Flaherty, if it's a, <clears throat> if it's Erod, if it's one of those lesser kind of names, I don't know necessarily that you're starting them with that much confidence in the postseason. Maybe by default, because you know how far can Dean Kramer and Kyle Gibson take you in the postseason? Fairly solid regular season arms, but in terms of you know once you get down to division series, potentially a championship series, or maybe even the World Series. I don't know that any of those guys are really uh, going to be needle movers for them. I think Cease is the way to go. I, I really think Cease is the way to go. Whether or not they do it, they probably should because the White Sox are, you know, it's a fire sale over there. Um, maybe Cease and maybe in a, a reliever they'll throw in and, you know, Bumner or, or somebody. I think that's the, the right partner. We'll see what happens over the next two hours. Uh, but, yeah, I'm just not a big Flaherty guy. Scott, are you, are you a Jack Flaherty fan? Yeah. So, I mean, and that's kind of thing is ML, – so MLB teams – in in fantasy, like a lot, lots of us try to start with like reasonable offers. That is not how it works uh, in, in pro baseball, right? Like I've had the chance to talk to folks who have worked for front offices, like not necessarily high end folks, but uh, they talked about, you know, they told me about some of the trade offer, like where trade offers would start. And it's absolute jokes, right? Like a not that far off example would be like the first time 
the Astros called about Verlander, they offered a prospect that none of us have heard of. Right. And that's it. And that's where they start uh, because it's just, it's just not what these teams are are trying to do. So if I was, if I was them, I, I'm looking for, I think Joe, you make a good point that they're not probably going to find or want to pay for the type of guy that all of a sudden makes them like favorites to win the American league. Right. I don't think that's what the Orioles are going to be able to do, but if the Orioles want to say, we want to get to the playoffs, we want to be a real contender, which also will help us attract free agents in the off season, help kind of keep us moving in the right direction. What do we need? How do we make our, playoff life better than it is now. I think the way that they can do that where they can get the most bang for their buck is like an Eduardo Rodriguez, a left-handed starter, something they don't have a guy who should not be overly expensive right now. It's going to matter whether or not Eduardo Rodriguez opts out after 2023 uh, because he has a contract option where he can just be done after 2023. So it kind of makes him this weird potentially rental or potentially on the hook for longer than that. His contract's not terrible though. It's like 12 or, you know, $15 million a year or something like that, which isn't bad at all. Today's market. I think, that would be a move that makes sense. And the Orioles, again, one of the reasons we keep talking about them is because they are a team who has young players they can move without hurting their short-term or long-term vision, right? Like how much is this team really hurt if they lose Jordan Westberg, right? Like long-term, it just, it's not that big of a needle mover in terms of can they make the playoffs in 2024, 2025? Whereas the Yankees, for example, they're tough because who can they move that they can afford to move, right? They've got two good prospects, right? Everson Pereira is not bad. Jason Dominguez is out there, but they can't afford to move either one of those, right? Because it's the only prospects in their whole system. And they can't really move anyone from their lineup because they've got Jake Bowers batting six for God's sake, right? right. Like there's not, you know, like I'm, I'm in a, you know, in my tout league, my big problem is I'm fading hard and I don't have pieces that I can really move that well. It's a redraft league, so I can't trade future pieces and I'm stuck because like anyone I move, it's hard to get a big bump because my team has been so thin and I need players to come back from in. No, I have to know they're going to come back from injury soon before I feel like I have any depth. Yankees don't have depth to trade from, which is why I won't be shocked if they don't really do anything. You know, another team in a kind of similar spot to Baltimore in terms of how flush their minor league system is, you know, uh, kind of a surprise contender this year, Cincinnati. I thought Cincinnati might make some kind of package and acquire a starting pitcher with Lodolo out. Green is still, I think Green's going to be back sooner than Lodolo, but you can't go into a playoff series with just Andrew Abbott and Graham Ashcraft and hoping that one of the other guys are healthy. I thought they were going to also trade from a position of wealth, of depth, and maybe go after a front-end starter. But at this point, uh, the market's kind of drying up for front-end starters. And uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know how front-end you'll be pitching in Great American Ballpark, regardless. Uh, But I really did think that we are going to see Cincinnati do something, and I don't think we've really seen them do anything today. That injury to Jonathan India really hurt because that was their best movable piece, a young player with team control who has been very good. Uh, and where, you know, where are they the most full? I mean, the middle infield's a big part, right? Like that would have been a huge piece, but now that Jonathan India is out, you look at the depth on this team in the middle infield and all of a sudden it feels like it's empty, right? Like if you lose Matt McClain or Ellie De La Cruz, who goes to the middle infield? Who do you play? Kevin Newman? Right. It's like, is that, is that like, is that how you want to go to a playoff series with a young team? That's, that's really, I mean, we've seen them be extremely streaky. I'm starting to think the reds might be thinking that our luck kind of crapped out on us and our year is 2024. Well, I think they're also, you mentioned those uh, green and Lodolo. I I think the mentality also may be, well, we're going to, we're going to get those guys. So that's better than any move than that we can make right and i mean if you look at that rotation now i wouldn't want to depend on all young starters like that going into you know september and potentially october but going forward that team between abbott green lodolo assuming health and even ashcraft is a serviceable fourth starter um that team's looking good with that lineup so the the future is bright i think maybe I think partially, like, I, I agree, Scott, like, I, I think they are looking at probably next year is their chance to really, like, um, that's going to be their year. But, um, yeah, I mean, when those they get those guys back, that's going to be a formidable rotation. Yeah, I'm just wondering but, what we're going to see from them after such, especially Lodolo being gone for so long, how productive he really is uh, yeah. in that park. I thought that they might try and add somebody, but what, what are your thoughts here, Britton? Well, I, actually, I was just going to give a shout out because I know you got to switch over here for the next segment real quick. But most random trade of the trade deadline 
the Arizona Diamondbacks trade for Jace Peterson. And I just want to say shout out, Jace Peterson. You're 33 years old. You make almost $5 million a year. You're a lifetime 220 hitter. And you've been with the Padres, Atlanta, Baltimore, Former Milwaukee, Yankee. Oakland, and now somebody, they want you. They traded for you. I don't know how you do it. I've been watching baseball for years. I don't know what's happening, but I salute Jace Peterson, who's the, the newest acquisition of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Hey, you gotta you gotta respect it. You know, not everybody's gonna be a superstar, but Player. Uh, these guys yeah, he's, doing, he's career, doing something right. Honestly. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Good for him. Doing something right for sure. Five million dollars, not too shabby. Uh, certainly not too shabby. At that point, you don't really care if you're riding the pine, if you're in Milwaukee, and if you're in Oakland, wherever you are. Uh, you're cashing. Oh, you care if you're in Oakland. I'll sit on the bench for five mil. Maybe you care if you're in Oakland. That's a good point. You care if you're in Oakland. Nobody's happy there. Uh, but, you know, I, I will say just, just about the Reds. I was surprised that, I mean, I know they only just got him this season, but Noel V. Marte is this guy who, I mean, I think is still a well-regarded prospect. And he plays, you know, kind of like third base and shortstop, two positions that are kind of full up for the Reds. So, again, they're another team that had a young piece, I think, that they could have moved. And it just seems like they're not going to. <laughs> they probably wish they never did the Castillo trade at this point. If they could still have Luis Castillo, they don't need Marte. I think that was what they did a couple of trades, but I believe that that was the, the centerpiece of the Castillo trade. Mm-hmm. If you're the front office, I think you'd probably take a mulligan on that one and go into the playoffs, hypothetically speaking. Maybe they make it, maybe they don't. But like Castillo, Green, Abbott, Lodolo, like that's a, that's a nice foursome to go into the playoffs with. I think they, if they could do a do over there, I think they probably would. Was it Castillo I mean, I have to... just walk here though? I mean, they isn't that why they traded him? Oh yeah, they they signed him to a deal. Yep, Seattle did. Yeah, I do want to but... let you guys um, before we you know break off because it's about to be four o'clock here, and the next panel is going to come on. I do want to give you guys a chance to just quickly plug all the great work you got going on, uh, Scott. Why don't we start with you? Yeah, sure. So again, on Wednesday, tomorrow uh, will be another edition. I do a weekly hitter list over at Pitcher List, uh, top 150 hitters, plus uh, a thing I call a taxi squad, which is just a bunch of notes on guys that might be interesting or that might get called up, things like that. Uh, Also on Monday mornings, the Hacks and Jacks podcast is released with me and Joe Galena. So again, we talk pretty much about hitters. We try to talk about 12 team leagues, deep leagues, whatever it is that you play. We try to talk about. So that's what I'm working on. Hopefully you give it a listen or don't. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> no, it's great. Great to have you back. Try to play on. it cool. Try to play it cool. <laughs> no, you should definitely be checking out Scott's work uh, over at pitcher list. Like he says, he tries to stay hidden from Nick Pollock. So he doesn't know what's going on. Uh, but focusing on hitters, that's the best way to do it. Cause Nick, does Nick know what a shortstop is? That's that guy that missed a play that made his pitcher give up a run. <laughs> uh, no, definitely great work from Scott. You should be checking out. Uh, Torres, tell us what you got going on. Yeah, so like I said, I'm the co-host of the Fantasy Baseball Beat podcast. So uh, it's a podcast where we get on beat writers for MLB teams and uh, try to get information that's going to help fantasy players. So uh, I co-host that with Mike Carter. So uh, the format of the show is we do an interview with a beat writer and then we uh, kind of just do a, a survey of the fantasy landscape and, and talk about kind of the week that was, what to, uh, some players to look out for moving forward. And we also, Mike and I are um, in the mental health field, so we do incorporate some non-baseball stuff and talk about, um, you know, we have something called the Mental Health Minute. So we, we spend some time talking about those things too, which make our show, I think, a little unique. So uh, we are over at Triple Play Fantasy. So if you go wherever you get your podcasts, uh, type in Triple triple play fantasy baseball um we are part of that feed so definitely watch out for any new shows we've got scott merkin for the white Sox coming on tomorrow uh looking forward to that one so and on twitter you can find me at torres takes joe thank you so much for inviting me having me on it was great chatting with you and, and Britain and scott it was it was great talking to you guys well, you're going to have the White Sox reporter on, so that means it'll be Mike Carter crying for about an hour on the podcast. Oh, yeah. No, he's taking the reins on that one. I probably won't even have to say much. He's going to be... <laughs> he's going to be hot under the collar to say the Therapy yeah, session. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Actually, therapy session. Uh, Britton, let us know what you got going on. Thank you, Joe, very much. Scott, uh, Chris, it was great to be on with you guys. I, I had a great time. Thank you very much. Uh, I have a podcast called It's Gone published by Sports Ethos. Uh, If you follow me on Twitter, uh, you can get on the link. It's just my name. It's B-R-I-T-T-O-N-A-L-L-A-N. And I also co-host with Michael Govier and Mike V, 
the Palazzo podcast, two L's, two V's or two Z's, as they say. So that comes out Thursdays or Fridays. So please check it out if you can. Thank you very much, guys. I appreciate it. And guys are all doing great work. If you're watching here, you go follow them over on the Twitter. If you're listening on the podcast side, their ads will also be in the show description. Guys, I really appreciate it. I'm going to have to unceremoniously boot you now as we get our next group in. Uh, but really appreciate all you guys taking the time today. Before we welcome in this next group, I do want to remind you all, hit the thumbs up button if you haven't already done so. Subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. We are trying to just keep building up the YouTube channel. I think we're at like 3,500 subscribers or something. Uh, there's football content, there's baseball, there's basketball, all kinds of stuff for you guys to be checking out. So make sure you hit that thumbs up. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.